in the form of his personal testimony of experiencing God's, God's grace in his own life. And this is what he says. Remember, Paul was, was a, prior to his conversion to Christianity, he was, was a leader among the, uh, the Jews, the people of Israel, and so that's what he's hearkening back to here. He says, if someone else thinks they have reason to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. I was circumcised on the eighth day. I was of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. In regard to the law, I was a Pharisee. As for zeal, I was persecuting the church. And as for righteousness based on the law, I was faultless. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What's more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things. I consider them garbage that I might gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. This is God's word for God's people this morning. So, you know, it's a fun thing, I think, Many of you would agree to live in a diverse, multi-ethnic uh, city and even in a diverse, multi-ethnic church. You know, the fun part about it is there's different kinds of food that, that we have the option of going and pursuing, you know, depending on your mood, whether you want Indian food tonight or Korean food or Mexican food or soul food. It's all available in its original form right here in our city and or whether different kinds of artwork and different kinds of uh, music. You, you can hear them, you can experience them all over the place. But as, I've, as some of you have heard me say before, there's also challenges whenever you cross cultures in a city or in relationships or in, in a family. And that's because culture isn't really about food and music and art and things like that. Culture is really about your most deeply held values about what's important, uh, your, 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 uh, the way you interact with people, what's considered rude, what's considered a compliment, what's considered high status, what's considered low status. You know, in some cultures, uh, athletics is important. In other cultures, academics is important. In some cultures, family is everything. You'd never think of moving out of range of your family. In other cultures, for some people, for some families, career's important, and you'd, you'd gladly move across the country for a promotion if that was the case. In some cultures, punctuality is important. If you can't be on time, you're not going to show up. And in other cultures, you know, things start when you get there, so you don't worry about it. And, and you know, I think the essence of culture really, the thing that matters is these these deeply held, sometimes unconscious values, and you don't even realize these values belong to you until they conflict with someone else who you're trying to work things out with. Um, until you, you realize, you know, that this is, this is a basis for conflict in a relationship. Now, Paul reflected the values of his culture. He was a, a first century Jew, and he was very proud of the fact that he was a high status uh, Jew, someone who had accomplished a lot of, a lot of things in his day. Like, like many people, I think, in the Middle East today, more than anywhere else, just simply being religious and being successful at religion, being 
dedicated to your religion was a thing that in and of itself conferred status and conferred prestige to people because it was a very uh, religious time, a very religious place. And so he catalogs his achievements. He says, if anyone else thinks they have reasonable confidence in the flesh, I have more. This is what I brag about. I was circumcised on the eighth day. In other words, not only am I devout in my faith, but my parents were very devout. And, and eight days after I was born, they took me to the temple to be dedicated to be circumcised. I was of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin. The, the tribe of Benjamin was one of the most prestigious tribes because that was one of the tribes that stayed with the house of David after the split between Israel and Judah. He says, in regard to the law, I was a Pharisee. Now, this is a little confusing to us because I, I think in our day and age, if you call someone a Pharisee, you're trying to insult them, right? That's a way of, a way of mocking somebody, and, and that comes from Jesus. But you've got to understand that in, in the first century, one of the most prestigious things you could be was a Pharisee because those were the people who were most rigorous in their compliance with the law. These were people who, who were like professional religionists. They didn't minister to people. They didn't serve people. They just spent all their time studying the law and then living their lives in compliance with the law. And Paul did that to the nth degree, to the extent that he says, as for, in regard to the law, as for a righteousness based on the law, I was faultless. Paul was so dedicated and so meticulous in his compliance with the law that he could actually say with a straight face that he was faultless in terms of the rules of the Pharisees. So these were his status symbols. These were the things that really mattered to him, to, mattered to him the things that he liked to brag about. Now, have you noticed one of the other things about different cultures is different cultures have different status symbols. And even as we go through life, there are different things that we use to, to, to project high status at different stages in our life. And I think some of you, if you've lived long enough, you maybe look back to uh, when you were a teenager and maybe the way you dressed or the car you drove or things like that. You say, I cannot believe I thought that was cool at the time. Any of you old enough to look back that far and, and, and see those things or think those things? But, but, and, and so in different cultures, we impress different people with different things. And, uh, and work for, for different things. And, and I think one of the ways, you know, sometimes in movies, I can't think of any, um, any examples of this that wouldn't be offensive to some, somebody, but, so I won't use any, but, but you, you know, sometimes in movies, when, you're making, when, when people are looking at someone in, from a different culture, in a different, from a different background, the thing they're mocking people for is the very thing that those people are showing off. Have you noticed that? It's just kind of the way we work. And so Paul here is very proud of the fact that he was a Pharisee. But remember the ministry of Jesus? Who were the people that Jesus went after? Who were the people who Jesus really had a problem with? The Pharisees. They were the people who, were, who, who Jesus thought were considered the problem in the world. Remember that? And that's what made Jesus prophetic. That's what made Jesus actually confusing to most of his contemporaries because they're like, these are the people we respect. These are the people we want to be like. These are the people who are the most impressive to us. And yet this guy, Jesus, comes along and it's the Pharisees that he is insulting and, and, uh, and condemning and, and turning away. But, uh, but, but see, Paul looks at all this and he looks back at it and he says, you know what? 
I've reconsidered it all. Look at what he says in verse 7. All these things that I was proud of, whatever were gains to me, I consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, he says, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing weight, worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things. I consider them garbage that I might gain Christ. See, what Paul said is when Jesus came into his life, it caused him to reconsider everything. In fact, it caused him to reconsider all the things that he'd been working his whole life for. It caused him to reconsider all the things that he thought were status symbols and be willing to let those things go because he got a whole new perspective. He says, in retrospect, all those things I was working so hard for, all those things I dedicated my life to, they're rubbish compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. See, I think this is a challenge for all of us, because I think one of the hardest things for all of us is to get objective about your culture, to be able to consider the culture that you come from, the culture that you live in, the culture that you live and move in and have your being, and to consider that objectively and to consider what is wrong with the way I was raised? What is wrong with the culture I grew up in? What is dysfunctional about it? What is destructive about it? What are the things in this culture that I've grown up in that are actually keeping me from God, keeping me from experiencing God's grace and keeping me from experiencing God's love? And I think as we come of age, especially as you become an adult, everybody has to go through that process. And I think sometimes if you move to a new city, if you get, get new friends, or if you uh, develop new relationships, join a new family through marriage or something like that, one of the things that, that, hap that does for us is it causes us to look again at the culture we were raised and the assumptions we grew up with and ask ourselves, what is right about this? What is wrong about this? But the ability, Paul says he made a discipline of reconsidering everything he had worked for in light of Christ. I consider everything in retrospect a loss compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. And that ability to evaluate things and to judge things and to judge, judge the value of the relative value of things is of the essence of what it takes to succeed in life, of the essence of what it takes to make it in life, in, in every area of life, whether you're buying used furniture at a stoop sale or considering buying a, a new car or a used car or a piece of real estate or even making a, a financial investment or investing in some financial instrument, the key to success is being able to make a good consideration of the value of that item so that you can make a good decision in relationship to that. And so Paul looks back at his whole life. You know, it's one thing to be buying something. It's another thing to, to say, what am I investing my life in? What am I dedicating my life to? That's a lot more significant than, than what you might spend your money on because that's the essence of who you are. And Paul looks back at his whole life and says, everything I thought was valuable, I now consider garbage. Not because it wasn't important, but because, relatively speaking, I found something much more important, the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. And it's so great that all of these things I was bragging about have become insignificant or even less than insignificant and become garbage that I've tried to get rid of 
And, and he, he says, even all things are rubbish that I might gain Christ. And why is it that Christ is so important? He says, look, look at what he says about it. What is it about Christ? He says, that I might gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. See, what Paul looked back on, he looked back on his old culture, and what was it all about? It was about achieving righteousness before God. And he even says he actually succeeded in doing that. He says, as far as legalistic righteousness goes, as far as compliance with the rules goes, I was faultless. I never did a thing wrong according to the law of the land. I, I was in exact compliance with the law of God. But then what he realized was his zeal for the law, his desire to, to obey the law, actually made him a profoundly evil person. What was Paul doing because of his zeal for being a Pharisee? Do you remember? Acts chapter 7 tells us that when Stephen, the first Christian martyr, stood up to speak, it was Paul who was there orchestrating, orchestrating his murder. So his zeal for righteousness led him to orchestrate the murder of the first Christian martyr. And then he went from Jerusalem to Damascus to arrest and, and intimidate and break up the, the Christian church as they, they'd been scattered. He was, he was not only chasing them out of Jerusalem, but then he was, he was chasing them down in, in Damascus. He, he was planning to chase them down there and, and get those people thrown in jail or, or, or killed as well. And remember, it was on the road to Damascus that he was knocked down by Jesus. And he realized that the very things he thought were his righteousness were actually the essence of his alienation from God. His very goodness and his moral achievements were actually the thing that was the most evil about him. Because the essence of it is, is the thing that keeps us from knowing the grace of God is very unlikely to be our sin and our failure. It'll probably be our perfection, our goodness, our religiosity, our, the, our, our, our correct theology, and our efforts to do everything right. What Paul discovered when Jesus knocked him down, Acts chapter 9, tells the story. He's going off to, to Damascus to, to arrest Christians, to, to break up the church, and, and Jesus comes to him and says, Paul, Paul, why are you persecuting me? And the answer in essence, was Jesus asked him that question. Paul's answer would have been, well, I'm trying to be righteous. I'm trying to do what the law requires. But in trying to do that, he was actually alienating himself from God more than ever. The, the thing that Paul discovered, the thing that, that this is the essence of the discovery that makes us a Christian, when we discover the things that we thought gave us status, the things that we thought were our righteousness, are actually the things that are condemning us, the things that are our liability. That's what Paul discovered. That's what, that's what we all discover. That, that's the essence of the discovery that brings us to faith. Now, this word righteousness, it sounds like a religious word, but it's actually the thing that everybody here is obsessed with every day of our lives. You know, when a student 
I know school's out right now, but, but you remember when a student completes a test, you hand it in to your teacher and what are you hoping? You're hoping that your answers are right, right? Or when you fill out a job application or a college application and you, and you put it in, you hope that you're going to be accepted. These are all forms of righteousness. When you do some work at your job and you turn it in to your boss and he looks over, you're hoping he's going to say, all right, this, this is good, this is acceptable, this this meets the standard. Every step along the way in every area of life, righteousness is of the essence of what we're looking for. We're looking to be accepted by our teachers. We're looking to be accepted by our parents. We're looking to be accepted by colleges, by, by our bosses, and everything we go. You know, you, you go on in life and, and you need housing in Jersey City, so you fill out an application for a lease, and you're hoping the landlord's going to say, okay, you can be a tenant, or you fill out an application for a mortgage, and you're hoping the bank's going to say, okay, we will loan you the money. You know, every step of the way, we're trying to meet someone else's standard. In fact, our life is defined by whose righteousness we get and whose righteousness we don't get, whose acceptance we get and whose acceptance we don't get. And our whole life is a project of seeking the acceptance of others in other ways, whether it's just in our personal life, in our relationships, in our professional life, in our social life, and in every other area of life. And what Paul is saying here is that we're all obsessed with righteousness in all these different areas, but the only thing that matters, the thing that matters the most, the thing that matters most essentially is the righteousness of God in Christ. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God by faith. See, what we all recognize, the, the reason we exist in this world or the reason we can exist in this world is because we find acceptance, we find approval through, from various people, from our teachers, from our bosses, from our friends, from our family, and, and that's from the various institutions that we need to patronize or patronize us. And that's, and that's what makes it possible for us to make our way in this world. But Paul says the thing that matters most the thing that's ultimate is not you achieving compliance with the standard of these, these people or these entities. The thing that matters the most is the righteousness of God that comes through faith in Christ. In other words, what he's saying is all of these things can fade away, but what matters is, is not something that's intrinsic to you, not something you've achieved, not something you can accomplish, but something that's given to you as a gift. Paul had been working his whole life, even going from Jerusalem to, to Damascus, killing people to achieve a kind of righteousness. But then he realized that what matters that I may gain Christ and be found in him and not no longer have a righteousness that's internal to me or that's something I achieve, but a righteousness that comes through faith in Christ, a righteousness that's a gift, a righteousness that's just freely credited to me from the generous of God, generosity of God, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. See, that's the heart of the gospel, my friends. 
to learn to rest in Christ, to learn to say, well, sometimes my teachers will fail me, sometimes my teachers will give me a, sometimes I'm going to get the job, sometimes I'm going to get fired, sometimes I'm going to get the girl, sometimes I'm going to get dumped, sometimes I'm going to get approved for the housing, sometimes um, I'm going to have to try again. You know, all those ups and downs happen to us all the time, but ultimate basis for our security, the ultimate basis for our identity, the ultimate basis for our righteousness is not what we've accomplished, not how much money we have in the bank, not how many degrees we've accumulated in our life, but it's faith in Christ. It's the righteousness of God given to us as a free gift. And that's a basis for a new identity. That's a basis for a new status. That's a basis for a new way of looking at your whole life and, and everything in your world. That, that's a new basis for comfort, for security, for identity, and, and, uh, and, and for uh, a, a new foundation for our life. One of our songs that we sing sometimes puts it this way, I need no other argument, I need no other plea, because it is enough that Jesus died and that he died for me. That's the heart of the gospel. That's the heart of the gospel for, that was the heart of the gospel for Paul, even though he was, according to legalistic righteousness, he was faultless. That's the heart of the gospel for sinners, who feel like there's no hope for them save the mercy of God, and that's the heart of the gospel for you, regardless of where you're coming from. So we're in a multicultural church, in a multicultural community. It's inevitable that there's going to be tensions for us. It's inevitable that there's going to be challenges. It's inevitable that we'll come together and, and people will see things differently. Like, I thought we were going to meet this afternoon. And then someone says, well, yeah, we were going to meet at 2, and I waited from 2 to 2.15, and you weren't there, so I left. And, and, and you know, it's uh, tensions arise when there's different cultures, different priorities, different values, and, in fact, different basis of, of personal righteousness. But when we realize that what's forming our community and the ultimate basis of hope for all of us as, as children of God is not our compliance with the law or our particular way of looking at things, but it's, it's a, the righteousness of God that comes from faith. It's not something that I've achieved. It's not something that I've accomplished. It's not something, it's not something that, that I bring to God, but it's something that God has given to me as a gift. And if I've received that gift, then it's a gift that I can share by giving grace to other people. And that can bind us all together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the hope of the gospel. I thank you for the testimony of Paul here that he found a righteousness that wasn't something he achieved or earned or, or received, but a righteousness that was a gift, a gift from Christ the only righteous one. And I pray that you would help us to see that, to consider our, our own lives, and to find our ultimate identity, our ultimate security in him, and in him alone. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.